I um, <coughs> I had the chance to um, to practice with um, some of the Burmese uh, revered uh, teachers, uh, masters, maybe we would say. One of them was uh, Sayada Upandita, and um, and. Uh, I had to go and do a report every day to uh, either him or one of uh, the monks in his entourage were the, the teachers uh, also. And um, I really learned a lot how to practice by reporting and getting kicked out of the <laughs> room, <laughs> of the reporting room a few times. <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, yeah, and, uh, and yeah, learned and what I learned about practice. One of the things I learned is uh, it was surprising that I could report um, in a way that it seemed like what I was actually reporting that what was known was in a way irrelevant. It was the way it was held that was important. So I could, you know, one day report that my mind was so spacious and luminous and light and this and that. And what the Sayada was interested in was, it seems, uh, did I want more of this? Was I like trying to hold on to this or define myself by it? Or, or was I able to allow it to arise, uh, be experienced fully and to transform past? collapse, crumble in some way. Or I would, you know, report um, ache and pain of, uh, I remember one time being sick and uh, reporting this, and it seemed like to him the lightness, the brightness, <laughs> the spaciousness was on the same par, par you know, e equal to reporting on ache, the important part was the relationship to what was happening. That was central. And I think that's what I understand of practice. It's not what is, is happening, it's how it's met. Actually, in the, in the Burmese-style reporting, there's, a, there's a, f a form that is quite simple in a way. What was known, how was it met, and what eventually happened to it? And so, what was known, there was um, discouragement. How was it known? You know? it was, I was caught in it. I believed it. I, you know. Or, I was aware of discouragement. You know? So, this fine line of um, you know, the middle path between being entranced in the mind states, or whatever else, you know, uh, that extreme and the other extreme of um, uh, rejecting it, not wanting to feel it, and the fine line of being aware of, you know. So aware of is uh, there was uh, an experience of discouragement, uh, there was a heaviness in the heart, heaviness in the body, low energy, you know. Then the teacher would say, excellent practice, please continue. Then bring the bell, ding, out of the room you go, you know, and um, so that was the the thing, the awareness of. So I'm coming back to what I was saying. Maybe earlier you might have heard me. I might have been clear or not. But I was saying, 
here we become aware of how sensitive we are and uh, and we learn how to accompany sensitivity you know without grasping without pushing away kind of extremely humble and uh, yeah for me like I sit here and I'm just amazed like and sometimes people say oh you, you smile when you sit like I can't do anything else you know <laughs> like, I'm amazed how you know pushed right and sideways <laughs> in all kinds of ways the, the mind is easily you know suddenly I have a thought oh my god I forgot to you know and I all worked up like I smile at this you know like one image and suddenly I'm troubled you know one uh, uh when I, one memory, like a flash of something, passes by, and suddenly I'm all hooked by, oh, back then, you know. And so I sit there, and I'm just watching this, how, you know, we hear a noise, who's in the kitchen? It's not the time, you know. It's like, how funny is that? You know, like you give me a little stimulation, and, you know, the mind makes a story with it. Uh, and so this could lead to a lot of distress not being uh, aware of it. But being aware of it, mm -hmm. it becomes a portal to compassion, smiling. Oh, look at that. This being is easily, uh, uh, you know, shaken by events, you know. Uh, and so that's the practice uh, we do here. And so we're not looking for a special mind state. If we are, the practice is to become aware that the mind is looking for a special mind state. This is the awareness, uh, real being awake, conscious, conscious of phenomena. What's the presently arisen phenomena? Wanting. Uh, wanting feels like this. It's not that it shouldn't be there. It's a, it's a phenomena like anyone else. You know, it's not, oh, I shouldn't want, I should be in renunciation. No, stay here, want. Want something else. Be aware, let's be aware of it. Wanting to be back home. Wanting the retreat to end. <laughs> you know, I'm here, and I'm wanting the retreat to end. Perfect. Let's be aware of this main state. It's a really interesting one. You know, because it presses in some ways, you know. And so here we become sensitive to the ways we're meeting uh, reality and, and to we awake in the middle of mind states. It's not easy at all. And so, so what will happen as we're becoming more attentive also is that, um, well, I'll I'll tell you about how I understand the kind of arc of practice. So, I come here, or in life, you know, before I start uh, practicing, at, you know, and I live in my ideas about things. Who I should be, how the world should be, how the future should be, how the past should have been. You know, I have all kinds of ideas, and... I keep experiencing like a uh, cultural shock, we could say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> between my idea of things. Oh, I thought it would go faster. It went a little slower than I thought. Oh, I thought I would, you know, 
feel like this, I don't feel like that, you know. Oh, I thought it would be a good movie, it's not such a good movie. Oh, I <laughs> you know. Like the whole thing, I thought my life would look like this, and I'm this age, and it did, didn't look like that <laughs> exactly, you know. So there's kind of constant shock between what I expected, thought, uh, rightly, you know, foresaw, justly, it ma made sense at the time, you know. And so I'm, I, so I live from that space, and then I come to meditation, and then I'm taught to pay attention to what is actually happening. And so uh, the mind, we, we learn to gather the mind, so it's not just reactive preferences, ideas about things. It lets go of this, and it starts having a real contact with reality. And uh, in that contact, the experience become experiences become very, very specific. You know, suddenly there's the taste of, I don't know what was that dessert earlier, ball of energy we call it in North America. <laughs> I don't know what the cook here <laughs> called it. But, um, you know, suddenly we taste this, and this, there's this whole world. It's very specific, distaste. This, this or let's take something more common. Um, you know, uh, I don't know, pasta. You would say, oh, pasta. You're in the line, you see in the... Pasta. I know pasta. That's a an idea. Yeah, pasta, I know. But then, slowing down a bit, I taste. And then there's this pasta. Or not just the breath, but this breath. Or not just like walking, it's so dull but this lending of the feet. Huh? So things become specific. And in that, often, we'll become more sensitive, huh? sensitive to what's happening. And often, what we'll see is people will um, uh, report this. They'll say, oh my God, I was so touched. Last week, I was teaching last week a retreat, and someone was uh, saying, I'm so grateful to be here. I could actually hear the rain in the leaves, falling on the leaves of the... You know, and, and this was so unique. Like, I, I'm so thankful I was here for that. So it's not just, yeah, it's raining, you know. It's not like this. It's, it's suddenly this particular experience of rain stands out. Um, I think it's probably not very far from here. Uh, last February I was teaching in the in Belgium, somewhere. I'm, I'm pointing this way. It <laughs> 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 might be this, <laughs> this way. I don't know where's the north and the south. <laughs> anyway, in my mind, it's this way. <laughs> um, and um, and it was uh, so, uh, one person described a really beautiful experience of this. Uh, this person was saying, "So where we were, um, so where we were practicing was a kind of." Um, Maybe you call it the manor, manor, like some small, not castle, but like big house, somewhere in the woods, you know, like pretty impressive building for a North American. <laughs> we don't have these, you know, they're a little older than what we got home, and bigger and in the forest. And um, anyway, so I had my own experience of that building, but this person, after a couple of days, was describing so I came here, I arrived, the building was gray, and around the building there was gravel, all around the building, that, that was like 
the landscaping was gra- gravel. And, so, and uh, this person said, the gravel was gray, the building was gray, the parking lot was gray. And then we came in the room and you taught your gray practices, you know, like breath, walking, back and forth, going nowhere. Very gray. So they were describing everything was gray. And, but I kept doing it, you know, in the grayness <laughs> or the dullness. Or the so I kept doing it, kept doing it. And at some point, I was walking. So there were all these moments of paying attention, although it seemed flat, uh, uninteresting, neutral. You know. And so this person said, and at some point, I stopped at the end of my walking path. I looked uh, down. And in the gravel, just like picking up a little bit, was um, I could see there was a champagne uh, cork that was kind of peeking out. And this person said, suddenly I understood that people were coming here to celebrate things. You know, they were probably often renting this place to celebrate things, you know. And uh, and this person said, I looked, suddenly I looked up, and the building stood out. I had never really seen this building in this way. And then I looked at the gravel again, and I couldn't believe the kinds of grays that were there. And this was happening in French, this report, and the French we speak in Quebec is a little bit more rough, but the f- kind of the French friend, French French. French, French, <laughs> can be, uh, you know, and so this person started describing all the grays. There was mice gray, and there was uh, greenish gray, and there was pinkish gray, and there was, and all these grays, I couldn't believe, like, the number of grays that this person could, and there was tears coming down, and this person was saying, and I don't know if I'm feeling an emotion or, or what, I don't know what's happening, but these tears have been coming down since I noticed, you know, things. And to me, I could see at that moment, oh, this person now has um, been freed from their perception. The, the, the Buddha used the image of mirage, mirage, you know, in their kind of um, superficial, maybe, attention, blasé attention, habitual, habituated attention, they could actually, could not connect with reality. But reality appeared dull. It was not dull. It just appeared this way. And suddenly, bring a different mind state, and whoops, reality appears differently. So it's revealing the kind of... uh, dynamic, ephemeral, changing nature of reality. How, you know, reality is a mirage, like the Buddha talked about. And so, here we we become a little bit more specific so that we can uh, experience things with more intimacy, with more vibrancy. So we're developing both calm, calming factors, and also energizing factors. Curiosity, interest for what's happening, it energizes the mind. And at the same time, we're stabilizing the mind. 
meaning we're teaching the mind how not to be reactive, you know, but to stay, to stay, to touch. And so we get, we're building a mind that is very powerful, both awake, <coughs> vibrant, and uh, stable. This is the mind we need for insight. This is the mind that we want for connection with others. This is the mind that is the best mind to learn something, a mind that is both awake, interested, and non-reactive. This is the mind of transformation. Transformation happens in such a mind, a heart, you could say. It's the same. Yeah. And so, once we get closer to reality, underneath our assumptions about it, uh, then we can be touched. And uh, and some some specific characteristics of phenomena will start to appear. They are known. They're central in the Buddhist, uh, uh, you know, uh, practice. And so the anicca, the ephemeral nature of events. When we're present, really present, it's going to reveal itself. A sound appears. And if the mind is not too jumpy and stays around, it will notice the disappearing nature. (laughs) (laughs) Of the event. Eventually. That's why the Sayada was asking always what was known, how was it known, and what eventually happened. Because whatever it is, agreeable, disagreeable, you know, heard or felt or thought, for sure it's going to be ephemeral. It's going to show its ephemerality. It's non-solidity. It's non-permanence. Yeah. And so, uh, this, for me, the f- kind of first time that I had an insight about this was prior to uh, 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 hearing the Buddhist teachings. One day, uh, I was in the doctor's office, and the doctor said, hey, there's a really bad result that came in. You're HIV positive. And my impression, my mirage, was that I was young. I was 25 at that time. I was young. My kind of uh, maybe unconscious belief that was revealed at that moment was that I was eternal. I thought I was young, eternal. I thought I was health, or that health was mine. I didn't know that health was ephemeral, changing, subject to conditions. I really thought this was me. Who are you? Healthy. That's me. Healthy. I run, I ski, I, you know. I'm healthy, this is me. You know, I thought this this belonged to me totally. And in that moment, the doctor told me, you know, that's what I heard. You know, youth, uh, eternity, uh, handsomeness, uh, you know, uh, health. They're ephemeral. <coughs> that's, that was the message, you know. Uh, like my la- my world in a way crumbled, my assumptions, my preconceived ideas. 
you know. What, so there was a shock, there was a very strong cultural shock there, like a really strong shock of what I had, you know, projected on life and what it really was, was different. <gasps> that was really stressful. That's why we're practicing what we're practicing here, to get acquainted with life, you know, that things come together, and when they come together, it means absolutely that they're going to come apart. And so here, we get acquainted to this through, you, want, you really want the Dharma, you'll get it. <laughs> Please stay around. Um, so here we practice this through small events, you know. There's a plate there, suddenly, it's empty, it's gone. There was food, now it's gone, you know. There was boredom, now whoops, it's gone. There was ease, now it crumbled, and now there is discomfort. And so we stay around to learn to stabilize the mind and heart in the middle of passages, through the passages, you know. So we want to become intimate with that experience of reality, of uh, ephemerality, and also anatta, the fact that things don't exactly belong to us, they happen. Hearing happens, and then, whoops, it vanishes. It can be, we can uh, maybe think of this as extreme, as stressful. Oh, you're talking to me about the instability, I'm going to lose everything. Yeah, but also in there, that's why it's thought, and that's why uh, it's taught, and that's why we want to come close to it through insight, so that we, uh, we can have an experience, of, an experience of liberation, of freedom, being freed from wrong ideas about stuff. Yeah. I was talking to one of the cooks at uh, IMS, the Insight Meditation Society, where I teach often, uh, lately, Marlon. And Marlon, uh, Marlon is uh, queer, and, um, and uh, I, I really like... Uh, so, so in a very kind of normative environment, IMS, New England, you know, kind of the old ways, and pretty, uh, you know, pretty straight, heterosexual world, you know, you have Marlon, with his long hairs and and often wears a, you know, a, um, uh, how do you call the, is it Irish or Scottish uh, mm -hmm. skirt kilt? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so like this and the hair like that, you know, and he's really tall, um, Venezuelan uh, American, out fabulous, you know, and in the environment very uh, much who he is, it's very refreshing. And, and you can see people look, you know, and they're like, oh, I'm so happy this being exists, you know, uh, in the ways. And uh, so Marlon uh, also has a, has a, uh, is also a dancer and a thinker of contemporary dance. And, uh, and he was telling me that he, had, he was here in Europe in some workshop somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised it would be in this country, no? This country is very famous for its, uh, its uh, contemporary dance, no modern dancing. Uh, it's uh, looked up in the world for, its, uh, for its, uh, this art, uh, uh, performing uh, art. Anyway, he was doing a workshop, 
many artists together, and he said there was one of the most famous uh, uh, Harlem drag queens uh, of um, voguing, voguing, uh, voguing artist, and uh, and uh, he said uh, su- such a teaching in anatta and anicca, impermanence, dynamism, and uh, and you were saying, you know, something like, be fabulous, be fab you. Anything you are, anyway, is made up. It's a construct. So your kind of regular self is a construct. <laughs> you can you can become a drag queen. You can be, you know, you can be absolutely beautiful on the kind of catwalk. No matter, you know, like be what you are because it's all empty anyway. And Marlon was saying this was like one of the most profound Dharma teaching through a voguing drag queen. I don't know if this person... I, I'm using drag queen. I don't know if it's the, the right term here, but um, for lack of uh, knowledge at this point, I use this image. And Marlon was saying, what, what a teaching, saying you actually can be uh, this persona because the other persona you are also happen to have been fabricated by, you know... Norms and family and expectations. So it's also, you know, uh, and so, uh, you know, when the Buddha used the uh, the analogy of the mirror, mirage a lot. You know, things appearing a certain way. We know this. We know this because, you know, society puts on us this perception. You know that we should be, I don't know, straight, and we turn out to be bi. You know, that we should know who we are and we're actually ambiguous about it. That we should, you know, live in that uh, uh, gender because of uh, these genitals, you know. And we're, sa- we're saying, no, honey, it's a mirage, you know. It's a mirage. It just appears. I appear straight and I'm not, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and so for us, it, I think it can give us a lot of uh, uh, freedom. All these images the Buddha used talking about the body. Talking about the body, the Buddha, 2,600 years ago, talks about foam. It's like foam by the side of the, uh, the ocean. With every wave, it changes shape. What does it say about gender and gender expression? You know, it's foam, it's, it's empty, it's changing form all the time. This is, this is what it's saying. You don't have to conform to, uh, you know... You don't have to try to be a mirage that doesn't actually exist, you know. Um, so the images used is foam for the body. Uh, the image used is bubbles. Uh, the image of bubbles, you know, for that's specifically, he uses this image talking about the experience of pleasantness, unpleasantness and neutrality. <laughs> And s- just watch your weekend here, like since the beginning of the retreat, how many bubbles have burst, burst, you know, of moments of pleasurable thoughts, <coughs> vanished. Moments of uh, unpleasantness, unpleasant sensation, gone, you know. Bubbles, ephemerality, you know. And we get so, you know, kind of clingy. How can you cling to a bubble? <laughs> Good luck, you know. So here we come to clarify this, you know. So foam, uh, bubble, mirage for perception. How things appear. I was reading in the uh, in the anthology of uh, of the 
uh, trans-Buddhist uh, uh, stories, uh, Buddhist thoughts uh, by trans people, uh, one of the one of the writers, uh, and I can't tell you the name because the document I got has sometimes the name, sometimes not the name, uh, but I'll find out uh, who, who this one is, this person is, but uh, this person is, this, is talking about um, uh, Avalokiteshwara, one, uh, one uh, kind of deity or bodhisattva, and how, depending on the culture you happen to be in, it'll be a male or a female, you know? Absolutely transformable, you know? Uh, et voilà, ephemeral, you know? Seen in uh, some way as a male, seen in other ways as a female, you know? Appears in this situation as a male and appears in this situation as a female. Et voilà, you know, it's all open. <laughs> Liberated. Um, Yeah, so this mirage of what we should be, how we should behave, you know, we can see through this really clearly. You know, this is, uh, this is, this is a perception, it's an appearance, it appears like this. It doesn't have to be like expressed or lived like that. Um, another f uh, image that comes in the text that the Buddha used is the image of the banana tree trunk. This is my favorite of all. I don't think I might have taught more than 200 retreats at this point. I'm not sure there was one retreat where I didn't bring this in. This image didn't show up at some point. So that might be the only permanent thing <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> the image of the banana tree trunk. And so the, the, the story uh, the Buddha tells in, in one of the sutras is that um, you imagine somebody wants to build something solid say, I want to build something solid. I'm going to go in the woods of the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. Here, there's a national park here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to go in the wood and find a really strong hardwood. So they go in the wood, they look all around, and then they found this banana tree, as you have a lot here <laughs> in this country. <laughs> And finding the tree with these big leaves, huge leaves, no? Banana tree, huge uh, fruit, huge sexy fruit, <laughs> <laughs> if I may say. And uh, the bananas, big fruits, you know, lots of them. You know, this person thinks, I got my tree. There's going to be hardwood in there for sure, you know. Start uh, chopping at the stump of the, the tree, at the, the trunk of the tree, to find what inside? Mm -hmm. Nothing solid. It's a herb. And so it makes its big leaves and fruits, and then it collapses on the ground, you know? And so there's nothing in there that is absolutely solid. So the Buddha used this image to talk about our mental formations. You know, the visions of me, unworthy me, so convincing, big leaves, big fruits, big flowers, and we believe this, you know, kind of banana production of um, the, my future, this is how it's going to end for me, you know, and we, we 
think it's solid, we believe in this, this is hard, true, you know, solid. Maybe to find out with attention that there was a production here, an appearance, and it vanished, you know. And it was mainly maybe due to the mood that was there, you know. In dejection, discouragement, future looks bleak. In hopefulness, in confidence, in, in benevolence, in kindness, in, in joy, future looks meetable, if I can say it like this. Approachable, possible, you know. So this uh, image of the banana tree uh, trunk, where we're sitting here and suddenly, I have to be back home now, you know. It appears like this and we're so convinced and whoops, it collapsed. You know? And so that's one of the image. And another one, do you want another one? It's fun, no? <laughs> the other one is the magic show. The Buddha used this analogy of the magic show. Again, talking about ephemerality. Things arising, passing, Appearances, things appearing a certain way, you know. Ephemeral is. So uh, it appears and it vanishes. Ephemeral okay. lasts only for some time. Yeah, anicca. In. Uh, in Dutch. <laughs> In old Dutch. <laughs> so ephemeral, uh, passing through uh, impermanent, impermanent. Ah, sounds right. <laughs> Thank you. So that's the uh, the image of the magic show, uh, and the big the big magic show. One of the big magic show is me, separate. You know that appearance, that sense, that impressions, that I'm this little, you know, conscious being separated from the world kind of against the world, no? It feels like it's viable, but it's going to be hard. We're going to have to defend and, you know, and strategize and, you know, the sense that there's this huge universe and I'm this little separate thing. Big magic show. It appears like this. That's how the Buddha talks about this. And here we come and we deconstruct that impression, that sense how do we do this? By paying attention moment to moment. And we suddenly discover that the one walking earlier is actually inexistent, gone. The one that was healthy, whoops, mm. or young, is <laughs> <laughs> gone. You know? And so, wow, it appeared that it was me, you know? Or, I mean, all this, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this with uh, laughter now, but probably we have to go through some grieving process around some of these things, you know. And it appears that there was us, I don't know, the two of us, or if you happen to be polyamorous, the, 
three, the five, the seven of us, <laughs> you know. And whoops, suddenly, wow, it's not like this anymore. You know, what appeared to be mine is not mine anymore. My partner, it was my partner. Gone. Wow. All these teachings to lead to compassion. You know, they could lead to cynicism. Oh, nothing lasts. You know, that would add to the suffering. We're in it for suffering and the end of suffering. And so, all these um, kind of realization or um, insights are to lead to, uh, to care. Wow, everything is ephemeral, passing. <gasps> Memory, at some point, can't remember, is gone. Health, whoops, will vanish. You know, anything that we experience... And so here we, we pay attention, we slow down, and we try to, as much as we can, to stabilize the mind, stabilize so it can stay in uh, contact with reality for some duration, you know, stay there, stay there, so that we can see the arisings of moods and the passing of them, the arising of pain and the passing of it, or fluctuating transformation. And so we can come to terms with this, to peace with this. If you go to Burma, maybe some of you have, it's a chant that is regularly ch chanted, maybe one of the most known chants. Uh, and I won't say it in Pali because there's a number of syllables that I'm going to be missing here, but uh, um, you know, there's something like Anicca Vata Sankara Vagamino Sukho And it goes on and it says, did I don't know in what order, but something like um, deeply understanding the impermanence of things bring the most uh, profound peace. How surprising is that? You would think like knowing things are impermanent will bring the most profound distress. That would kind of make sense in a way, no? Yet, in some mysterious way, the connection, the true, stable, heartfelt connection with the, you know, impermanent nature of things will open the heart. Maybe tear open, maybe break open the heart. Could be uh, one of the ways it's going to happen. of another queer teacher, uh, Shahara, is an is African-American uh, woman, uh, a teacher in California, uh, a 
friend of mine um, uh, who's been uh, uh, living in the last few years with um, different waves of uh, cancers coming and going. And uh, um, a few years back, uh, we were... Um, we were um, doing, um, participating, uh, uh, holding space for a group of people. There was, a, I think, 108 or something like this um, group of people who came together to uh, study uh, the Dharma, you know, uh, experienced practitioners. So we, it was called the Dedicated Practitioner Program. So we had five retreats together over two years and monthly reflections and body systems where people would skive together and talk about the Dharma and the unfolding in their lives and their practices. And, um, and uh, at some point, maybe it was the last retreat we had together, Shahara said, tonight uh, we're going to do a big circle of um, mudita. Mudita being the... Uh, you know, the joy and the happiness of others, uh, the, you know, one of the wise responses of the heart joy, when it meets what is beautiful, what works, you know, the capacity to appreciate. So she said, we're going to make a big uh, circle. And, uh, you know, the form it took was a, a fishbowl. I don't know if you know that form, where there's a big, uh, to create some kind of sense of intimacy. So a hundred people sitting in a big, large circle, and in the middle we put a few uh, maybe chairs or cushions, four chairs or cushion, and people would come in, so it would create a little circle, intimate enough so that we can, I could share something with you and maybe you, you know, but the hundred people could listen and hear. And so we made this uh, fishbowl, and she said, we're going to share stories of, uh, of joy together. And it was really, um, for me, absolutely unexpected what happened in that circle. And it, uh, it kind of um, blew my mind in some way, in my heart, certainly. So people came in the circle and they would share stories of joy and the joy for others. It was... Um, it seemed impossible to extract the joy from the pain. So somebody came and said, and you know like you, you're given one story to share of joy, what would it be? And the stories were, I want to tell you about uh, the last days that I spent with my son. This is the joy story I want to tell. The story of the last days I had the, the, to spend with my son before he died. The story I want to share is my, the story of my mother's courage in facing racism. I want to tell you this. This is the most beautiful story of courage that I... Uh, this is the story I want to share. Um, and so there was this circle and it went on for uh, I don't know how long, maybe two hours 
people would come and share something. There was all kinds of stories, but definitely there was this, you could have said this was a compassion circle. It was impossible to tell that it was a mudita joy circle. There was certainly joy, but it could have been called also a compassion circle. And uh, I came out of this really deeply touched. I mean, it's changed my view of, of reality. You know, that how, you know, where is patience developed? Where is clarity developed? You know, often it comes out of confusion. Often it comes out of um, uh, challenges, you know. Uh, um, and I think... For us, uh, by questioning trends, uh, transitioning, uh, gender nonconforming, uh, non-binary uh, people, uh, queer, gay, lesbian, uh, we know that. We know that that some of the beauty can be born in the midst of what is seemed like not okay, unacceptable, you know, how clarity can come from uh, confusion, how love uh, can uh, come uh, out of where uh, it seemed uh, not possible or inexistent or, you know, I mean, if I had to share a joy story, maybe it would be an appreciation of my my parents' inner work that they had to do to come to terms with um, you know the possibility of losing their son so young at a moment where there was no medication, you know, uh, to actually. Uh, you know, they, I don't know what they had to do, and it seemed like they didn't have much resources. You know, uh, you know there was taboo, not possible to talk to family and friends, not possible, taboo around, you know, seeing psychologists, you would never, ever do such a thing. <laughs> you know, so resources were very limited, yet something, they had to work through something to actually show up. And, and they did, you know, in time. So the capacity for this heart to deeply accept, you know, um, the uncontrollability of reality, you know, the Im impossibility to know what's coming. What a strange situation for human beings to be in. None of us here know exactly what's coming. It's in the nature of reality to not be knowable before. 
and we can work a lot at denying this, trying to plan and organize and, you know, demand and, and this, yet it's going to unfold in its own ways, you know. And the Buddha is suggesting that it's absolutely possible for minds to have that amount of flexibility, that amount of pliab- adaptability, pliability, and here, we're, uh, this is what we're, we're practicing with, you know. For example, there's a schedule. It's not the one you might have chosen. For me, the perfect schedule would, would have been a massage, followed by, <laughs> you know, followed by a nap, followed by, uh, you know, a good movie, followed by a little swimming on the beach, and then uh, having a beer with friends. <laughs> That would be the ultimate schedule, you know. Yet, this, the form it takes is sitting, walking, sitting, walking, sitting. And in that, I'm learning to, have to meet something that I don't control. You know, there's a schedule. So that's, that's the design of the thing, is let's create a form that we want to have control. We volunteer for the exercise, you know, for the, the, uh, the exploration. So there's a form, and how can we be graceful in that form? You know, how could we, well, maybe first survive, <laughs> and maybe above that, uh, uh, generate well-being, accompany oneself through things not going our way exactly, you know? And so these skills that we're developing, we're going to bring them to life, you know, and say, oh... I know when things don't go my way, you know. So how can I be fully here now? And in that capacity to be here, resourced, huh? like not depleted, because, oh no, another sitting, but I, I'm resourced. So it means I can be creative. To me, that's what it means. So I'm here, I'm fully here. So in my life, when situations happen that are not exactly the situation I want, maybe I'll be more my mind will have flexibility, synonymous with creativity. I'll be able to respond to what's happening, you know, kind of creatively, instead of being rigid. That's not what I wanted, you know. Okay, let's see, you know. So, courage will be available, stability will be available, care, inclusion of this being. I won't habitually forget this one, or forget the others, if that's what I usually do. I'll be able to, you know, have all the values uh, alive, available, vibrant, you know. When for many of us, you know, when it doesn't go our way, our resources, our qualities and our values also fall apart. You know, we might get aggressive when we think we value respect, you know, or we value honesty, but whoops. We get a dishonest when we don't get what we want. So, that's a bit of what's happening, I think, here. Let's sit for a moment and see what uh, disappears and what appears.
letting all the words uh, dissipate, vanish. And simple presence appear. May we uh, gain access, may we cultivate uh, stable care, stable caring heart, integrity, courage, uh, to meet a turbulent world. May our hearts be vibrant, vibrant in the middle of whatever is happening. Thank you for your for your listening. Thank you. If everything goes according to plan, the meal will be served in uh, just a couple of minutes. <laughs>